Hi, I'm Stephen. And hi, I'm Charlotte. And welcome to Mirth and Magic, the RPG podcast. Welcome back, guys. Hi guys, welcome to episode nine of the Mirth and Magic podcast. Charlotte, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm good too. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I said it in that weird tone. but you... you sounded a bit like you were a contestant on a dating show. I liked it. It was good. It was very Stella Black. Stella Black? Well, yes, yeah, you do Blind that? Date, but... That's what I was thinking. You were a contestant on Blind Date, but I couldn't remember the name of the show, so I just said Stella Black and hoped you okay. got what I meant. I'm not from Liverpool. I don't sound anything like a Liverpoolian. I mean, no offence to them, but uh, I can't do that voice. I'd like to hear you try and do that voice because no, I think it would sound awful. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I know there are people listening to this right now who would also like that very much. And we probably have <laughs> Scouse listeners who will never listen to us again if I tried it. So, no. Instantly alienate an entire city of people. <laughs> Anyway, this is not a Silver Black podcast. This is Murph and Magic. Arla, <laughs> do, you, do you have any gaming or RPG news? Not really. I've barely been playing games for the last week. I've instead been watching air crash investigations and learning all about plane crashes. So very little RPG news, but I now know a lot about how not to stall a plane. So small positives. Okay, can you please walk us through that in layman's terms? When you're, let's say, driving a plane, flying a plane... Um, If you go two nose up, then you lose lift and your plane starts to stall and the control stick will start to shake to indicate that you're about to stall. And the way that you sort that is you tilt the plane nose down in order to get more lift and that will make sure the plane doesn't stall. And I keep watching episodes where the stick will start to shake and the pilots will lift up and I'm like, you fool, lift it down. Everyone knows that. So now I seem to think I'm an expert just because I know that one thing. Wow. Uh, okay, that's quite detailed. Uh, you should play Flight Simulator. <laughs> Why don't you play Microsoft Flight Simulator? Because I'd crash my artificial plane and then it would ruin my kind of plane ego that I've got going on currently. <laughs> oh, I'd love to play it. It's a huge, massive, you need a really good PC to play it though. It's a really big, like power-hungry game because like you can fly the entire world and a lot of it is like you can look down below at real places and real maps and stuff. That sounds so cool. I don't think my nine-year-old Mac would be able to handle that. It freezes when I open Microsoft Word. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say no, it's not going to handle it. You'd have to get a gaming PC. No, no, no. <laughs> that. For me, I've been gaming a fair bit this week. Um, I have been playing this, oh my God, this amazing game called Not For Broadcast. Have I told you about it yet? I think you mentioned it, but I don't actually know what it is. Oh my god! So uh, I'd never heard of it until this time last week, and um, it's been like um, a, a beta release for about a year now. Like you know, you can download it, but it's still unfinished, and they could change things. Um, and they finally released the full game um, three days ago, Friday or Thursday. So I downloaded it, and it was on sale too. Uh, so I downloaded it, and um, it's incredible. It's like you play as this person that's in a newsroom. And you have to like, like a TV broadcast room and you have to like keep the broadcast going, but you get a lot of editorial choices. Like 
if there's a news story uh, about somebody, you can pick what picture to show of that person. Like one could be them in a good light, and one could be them like gambling and drinking a full bottle of Hennessy. Okay. And you know, and it influences like what people think of them on the screen. And like there's all these politics going on and there's all these weird chat shows and you have to do the camera angles and stuff as well. And it's really hard to describe. It's so funny and uh, it's really, really engaging and a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds quite good. Is that PC? Yeah, that's a PC game. I'm sure it'll be out on console eventually though. There's like 50 hours of like high quality uh, HD footage in it, like TV shows they filmed especially for the game. Oh, it's like chat good. shows and soap operas and news. Yeah, there's tons. Oh, um, nice. I'm playing Planet Zoo, of course, and uh, I'm still playing that. Uh, I'm trying to build my amazing world zoo with like different sections, like a North American section and an East Asian section and an, Afri- an African section, a North African section. And like it's really customizable. So I'm just like looking at pictures of things in real life, like there's like a you know like a Japanese style Shinto gate, so those, those red ones. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at pictures of those and trying to like recreate them and that kind of thing, and making sure that my animal enclosures uh, are suitable for the animals, like uh, where they where they come from in the world and what they like to do. And yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And finally, I'm also playing uh, City Skylines, which I don't know if you've played that before. Have you? I have. I played it for the first time actually a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I love it. I've had it from um, PlayStation for years, but they're still releasing like new packs for it all the time. So I've got the latest one and uh, I'm building yet another city. I've never managed to get a city of like 20,000 people because I just get angry and delete everything and start again. See, I like, only had a quick go at it and I got up to about 300 people and then realized that no one had any water supply and I got angry and stopped. But it was fun. You could have given the water. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how. I just turned it off. I was, we downloaded it when I was about, I'd say, relatively tipsy and i could not figure out how to play okay i'll show you I'll, I'll stream it one day i'll show you how to play it we'll do a small town together okay that sounds good i'll screw it up we'll, we'll call it to charlotteville or charlotte charlotteville no that's Both terrible high caliber names that people <laughs> <flock to. laughs> we'll call it Murf- we'll call it murphville or magic town whatever we'll figure it out Magic Town. The name needs work. We could work it on It does, yeah. I'm not an English major, you know. I didn't do as much degree. We're not the most creative types to no. think up things spontaneously no. on the spot. I like to think I am, but then when I put it in practice, no, I'm not. No. Occasionally I'll get this weird creative like vibe across me and I'm like, yeah, I can draw and paint and things. I fucking can't. Like, I absolutely <laughs> can't. I'm always like, yeah, I've got the greatest novel ever inside me. I just can't be bothered to write it down. Well, you say that. When I was a kid, I loved writing stories, but I couldn't be bothered to write them or type them. So I used to say them out loud, and my cruel grandma had to type them out on this like laptop typewriter that she had. And every time I'd get bored halfway through the story after grandma would type 40 pages, where the main character was always called Renoa, by the way. And yeah, that was my... (laughs) I think I did, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a very core memory of mine. Did you have to tell your grandma how to spell Renoa? Yeah, every time she'd write Rhino. Every time. <laughs> That's even better. You should have kept it as Rhino. <laughs> yeah, the main character, Rhino, the beautiful princess. <laughs> uh, do, you have any, do you have any of these stories remaining? We should release it as a special episode for you to read I it out. My, 
I think my mum actually genuinely might have some of them because she always had to be printed out so that I could show her. Oh my God, get one and we can read it out and have a funny readout of it. Oh God, if I actually find one, we can actually do it. It'll be awful. It has to have Renora in it or Ragnar, whatever her name is in your world. I really hope I find one that's got Rhino in it. Well, I haven't changed it. <laughs> Beautiful Princess Rhino. Yes, lovely. Beautiful Rhino, yeah. Running across <laughs> the meadow. Right, so shall we uh, start on our episode this week? Yes, um, we've gone on so many tangents we haven't even started yet, it's good. Yes, and um, we've not even spoken about RPGs yet apart from Princess Rhino. So this week we are speaking about one of our personal favourite RPGs, I think it's fair to say, and probably the one that we first spoke about with each other. Yeah, I can't remember how it first came up in conversation of how we figured out each other and played it, because it's not a game you bring up on a common basis. <laughs> no, it's not. I can't remember either. I'm sure one of us just said Grandia to see if anyone reacted, and one of us did. Yeah, oh God, what a moment that must have been, realising <laughs> that finally I'd met another human who'd played it. <laughs> So yes, the game is Grandia, everyone, yes. If you haven't heard of it, Grandia is uh, a PS1 era RPG, uh, I think from around 98, maybe 99, do you know? I think it was even earlier than that. I reckon it was like 95 or something. It was on the gra- it was on the Saturn as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was on Saturn first, and the PlayStation was actually a port, I think. They brought yeah. it over. Oh, 1997. Yeah. Okay, 97. I didn't play until probably 98, maybe even 99 when I first played it. Yeah, um, I think I was similar because 97, I would have been five. So yeah, I must have been a bit older than that. Uh, yeah, I must have been about 12, 13 when I first played it. But yeah, I was obsessed with it. For a long time, it was my favourite RPG. I thought it was even better than Final Fantasy VII. And, you know, in some ways, I still think it is. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the first RPGs. I don't. I can't confirm this, but one of the first RPGs to have voice acting in it on that era of uh, of gaming. Mm-hmm. Certainly none of the Final Fantasies did until Final Fantasy X, and that was years later. Not everything is voiced, but uh, a fairly decent chunk of it is, right? Yeah, I think pretty much all of the major cutscenes are voiced. And it is a turn-based battle system with a little bit of manoeuvrability in it. You can move around a little bit. You yeah, it's got around. an interesting battle system, yeah. Randy, and I, I really like it. Yeah, and it, it's a nice story too. Like, we'll we'll get into more detail, but it's a nice like coming of age story, basically, and going from like I mean, you, you literally start the game playing as adventurers, and you end up like <laughs> killing God or whatever. Go from wooden sword, <laughs> hide and seek to saving the world. Yeah, and you know you do play as like a fourteen, fifteen year old boy, and his eight year old friend Charlotte Sue. I mean. Um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, that classic comparison. But yeah, it's a, it's a nice story of, of how they grew up. And there are some some really funny moments in it and some really sad moments. Oh, I think they're sad. I know you find that hilarious. But um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, what is uh, your history with the game then? I know you mentioned a little bit, but do you have any more details on that? I can't remember when I first played it. I just seem to remember always having it. But with most games, I can remember when I got them or what kind of occasion I got them. And I remember playing it for the first time. But I don't really remember for Grandia. My, my first memory of Grandia is replaying it. So when the first time was, I've got no idea, but I've always really liked it. So I had it on the PS1, not the Saturn. And I think it must have been one of the first games I had. In fact, I think Final Fantasy VIII was my first RPG. And I think this might have been my second one. So I must have got it shortly after that. 
And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just find it such a wholesome, lovely game. And I think the age that I was, was probably similar to in between what Sue and Justin are meant to be. So at the time I was like, yeah, this is realistic that I could potentially go from sitting here on my living room chair, drinking milkshake to saving the world. Like, yeah, that's something that could realistically (laughs) happen. Playing it now is less convincing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, uh, a a lot happens uh, before they even get anywhere close to saving the world and it's not very realistic. Some bits are just so out there. (laughs) It's just great. Uh, My history was I... My first ever RPG that I can remember was Final Fantasy VII, and I borrowed it of somebody in school. I think I might have mentioned this story before. Yeah. Um, and um, I played that incessantly, and then I wanted more and more RPGs and started buying any RPG I could get that had like RPG in, in the name or description somewhere. And Grandia was one of the first ones I got after Final Fantasy VII, um, and I was just completely obsessed with it. I've gone back to it several times over the years. I think I've played through the entire thing about three or maybe four times in my life. And I've actually had a couple of starts as well where I've not got to the end, but I've made a decent 10, 20 hours into the game. So yeah, the story of this game, um, as we said, it's very simple, basically. It's about uh, a young boy who uh, wants to be an adventurer. And he lives in this town where like not much really happens. It's just normal, like... Um, shipping town with a, with a big dock and um, he and his best friend Sue who is like an eight-year-old girl with a flying creature pet thing that lives in a, on her head. Yeah, um, stained ball monster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they open the game and they're playing uh, adventurers with some other kids in the town and then uh, things happen and uh, they end up going on a really big adventure across the world Um, which is something that they, you know, never anticipated doing. They meet lots of new people on the way. And there's even at one point where they do something in the game that no one else in the world has done for a long, long time. And that is uh, across this gigantic wall, which divides two sides of the continent. That's a a slog in the game, by the way. I hate that bit. It takes forever climbing up that wall. I do like the I do like how realistic it is that like no one has ever managed this, but then that eight-year-old girl wearing yeah. boots <laughs> walks up within yeah. three days. They do meet a, a large cast of characters on the way, including well, I think they're probably the youngest two, are they? I think everyone else is fairly old. Rap, who's maybe his early twenties, and Gadwin, who's in his forties, and um, you never really get to choose your party. Like people sort of come and go, right? You don't you don't really have much choice about it. No, I don't think you ever have a choice of swapping people in or out. I think the game like sends people away from the party as new ones arrive. So it's always a set number that you get. I, I like that system, to be honest. Um, I, I get a bit of like choice paralysis sometimes when there's characters to be, to be chosen because I end up liking like half the cast and I want them all in my party, but I can't. So this is a good compromise. Yeah, um, I agree, actually, because there's so many games where there's characters that I just leave at the wayside because there's no point putting time into them if you know you're not going to use them at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what would you say are some of the themes in this game, in the story? Ooh, themes. I think growing up and kind of childhood wonder are kind of the, the main themes that I think it has. It's It has occasionally got deep moments, but overall it's very lighthearted. Yeah, that is definitely the biggest theme in the game, the, the the growing up part of it. But I also think that there's a bit of like like capitalism, like um, the the bad guys are just greedy capitalists who are trying to 
get power for themselves, right? Basically. I think so. The bad guys in this was a little bit ambiguous because Baal is obviously like the main driving force. I mean, it turns out that Mullen actually wants to stop him and the army are just kind of mindless drones, essentially, in this game. I'm on the Grandia wiki. Oh, there's a Grandia wiki. Very specific. It says... Under the guise of a peacekeeping expedition, he uses his army to unravel the secrets of the ancient Angelo civilization for his own personal agenda. <laughs> what was his personal agenda? <laughs> That's the bit we're trying to figure out. <laughs> his insatiable greed for absolute power and dominion at the expense of his son and, hum- and his humanity is a catalyst for the resurrection of Gaia. But what does that it- mean? <laughs> yes. Generic power. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he just wants to take over the world, I suppose. Grandia really does fit into that good and bad thing, doesn't it, we were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so G- General Baal is uh, just a, a power-hungry maniac who's intent on basically grabbing power at cost of everything else, which is basically just capitalism <laughs> in, in, the form of a, in the form of an army. Um, and you mentioned that the armies are all mindless drones. Yeah, that's true, apart from... I know we're not on the character segment yet, but can I just mention Nana Saki and Mio, the best characters? Ah, uh, yes, the excellent trio. Yes, my God, their battle music is so cool. I sing, I hum that all the time, even to this day. I love that too. It's this weird, I was like girly version of like the military <laughs> battle song. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, to be honest, the story is light in this game, but that's kind of why I like it. I think while there is a, a big overarching story, of course, with like you know the exploration and growing up, um, most of the plot is about people and personal experiences outside of the main plot. Like you know, like uh, Justin falling in love with uh, Fina and the stuff with Rap and his and his village. Yeah, it's very, very character driven. And I think we've said it before in the podcast that we kind of like the character side of games. It's quite important to us, which is one of the issues we had with um, SMT. Whereas this game is the opposite of that. This game is all about characters and dialogue and enjoyment. Yeah, 100%. So let's talk about characters then. So let's go through each party member because there's only a few of them. Uh, Let's give our basic opinions on them. So Justin, what do you think of Justin? Justin is... An interesting character design. Like, if you tried to explain to a person Justin as a character, it would sound like a bizarre choice. Where you're like, right, he's a 14 year old boy. He wears this one piece blue and black jumpsuit with goggles. He shouts V slash at least every 15 minutes and behaves like a kind of bratty kid for like 60% of the game. The person would go, I don't want to play that. That sounds awful. <laughs> but it really works in this game because it's so like childlike and happy. He really works as a main character, whereas he wouldn't in pretty much any other game. Yeah, and looking at his outfit, like, have you got a picture of it to hand? Like, it's so weird. It's this tiny little like play suit um, <laughs> with like goggle a goggle hat on and some boots with like protective shin pads, but like, nothing protecting his legs. It's just He's so bizarre. Just literally. Boy Wonder saves world in blue shorts. (laughs) And his hair is really weird because you can't really, I mean, you can tell it's long most of the time, but there are points in the game where he, um, he takes his hat off and his hair is like, like a head and shoulders advert, like really beautiful flowing (laughs) locks that come out of nowhere. I know he's a really odd design and it makes him look even younger than he actually is. 
yeah, it's uh, it's very odd. He's a very happy character, though, and he's probably responsible for a lot of the motivation and camaraderie in the party. Yeah, he definitely kind of ties it together. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very naive, but I think, as we said earlier, that's part of the game, really. But he ends up being like quite a mature person by the end of it. And he goes from being a little boy to, well... A fourteen-year-old man <laughs> at the end. Of it. <laughs> yeah, still a young boy, but a slightly more mature one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sue is probably my favorite character in the game because I just think she's a lot of fun. She is uh, a little girl from Palm. She's uh, one of Justin's. Well, she's Justin's best friend, and she joins him on his quest to to Alent solve the mystery of the. Um, the Icarians, who we've mentioned until now, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, magic characters that we just left out. Uh, and she's always she's always got her um, pet with her, and her pet is called Puffy, and it's this like orb thing with wings that sits on her head, and she uses it in battle too. Yeah, I always expected during the game that there was going to be some kind of storyline with Puffy to explain kind of what it was, but they just kind of let you accept that that's just a thing that she has. I think they mentioned at one point that just um, Justin's dad found it on an adventure, but I'm like, oh, yeah. I, need more, I need more details than that of what that thing is. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't even have a mouth; it just have eyes. Yeah, and at one point when they're on the boat, you could cut, talk to one of the passengers, and the man's like, "Oh, that reminds me of my son," and I'm like, "What? What does that mean?" <laughs> <laughs> Hinting at some weird thing here, and I don't know what it is. I never saw that dialogue. I'd, uh, I'd love for that next time I play. Yeah, it's literally like one conversation where he goes, oh, um, that reminds me of my son. And Sue's like, does it? Oh, that's nice. And I'm like, does no one else in this group have more questions than that of why that ball reminds this man of a human? <laughs> in the story, Sue, uh, she's playing with Justin at, the st- Justin at the start of the game. And then he goes on his big adventure and he doesn't want her to come. He tells her that she's too young and she'll find it too much. And he tries to leave without her, but she knows better. And uh, she stows away on the ship and ends up coming with him. Yeah, I mean, I've always found Sue a bit of an irritating character. I think just because <laughs> she does that whole thing where she kind of acts old and she's all bossy. And then the fact that you started calling me Sue started upsetting me on a very personal level. What do you mean? Like, Sue basically looks like you if you were eight years old. And she had looks purple nothing hair. like she's got purple hair. <laughs> nothing like me. <laughs> uh, not a single thing that looks like me I'll, I'll be honest the, the only reason I really like her uh, is because of what she says in battle when she casts her spells we'll talk about that later because it always cracks me up oh highlight of the game <laughs> um, Fina what do you think of Fina I really like Fina actually I think she's one of the better voice acted ones out of the main character group and she's quite kind of happy and has a bit of depth to her she has, she's quite sassy at times, and I really like her design. Just, yeah, I like Fina. Yeah, she starts off quite kind of arrogant at the start of the game, and she goes through a bit of growth as well. And obviously, at near the end, she realises she's an Ikarian and has all these powers and stuff, and she matures as well. Just, yeah, she's got a nice little story arc. Yeah, you kind you of meet her on a ship, don't you? I think she joins the ship halfway through. Like, she, uh, she gets picked up or something, doesn't she? Yeah. And she's like a professional adventurer. And uh, Justin's in awe of her and you end up going in this haunted ship together with her and she's really arrogant and she's saying like, oh, you know, you're just a kid. What do you know? Yada, yada, yada. 
but then when she sees that you can like um look after yourself and you know how to fight and stuff she comes to respect you more and she really opens up and she's she's probably my, my uh, second favorite character in the game and definitely one of the best for the for the story as well like you know sue doesn't really have a story fina is the story yeah it's true fina has more of a part in the story in a way than justin does yeah 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 the story is really about those two i think yeah and looking at her design now it's odder than thought it was <laughs> um <laughs> she's wearing basically a bra that has shoulder shoulder sleeves on it with a piece of hot pink slash magenta cloth covering her privates. Yeah, she basically has a loincloth. I never realised that before. Almost like moccasins on her feet with red tights that go like to her thighs. They're very odd. Yeah, like um, torn stockings. Yeah. Yeah. I like her hair though. You know, she's got those like, I don't know what you call them, those braid things. Oh, like the little things down the sides. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call those? Mean. Little hair ponytails. I'm not good with hair. I don't know. Yeah, little hair ponytails. Yeah, those are them. Yep. <laughs> Sounds more stupid when you repeat it back to me. <laughs> Gadwin? What do you think of Gadwin? I love Gadwin. Looking back, he probably looks like a predator following these tiny children around wearing full armour. But at the time, I was like, no, it makes sense that he'd go with these kids and talk to them like they're adults. Makes perfect sense. But I like Gadwin so much that I've had two cars named after him. That's how much I like Gadwin. You have. I, I knew your first Gadwin when we were at uni together. You did, and then it got swapped for Gadwin too, who I crashed into a bollard. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Ironically, not very strong cars. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's basically an archetype character. Like, there's there's always a, there's a Gadwin in every RPG, I'm sure. Like in Final Fantasy X, it's basically like Oron, or maybe Waka, or a combination of both, or maybe even Kamari, like a combination of all three. In nine, it's Steiner, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. You know I mean, um, yeah, he, he's a great character. He's uh, the old guy at thirty-eight. Which saying that, like, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, that was impossibly old. Like, you know, I, I will never get to that old. And um, in, a, in a few days, I'm thirty-six. So, <laughs> Ooh, you're approaching Gadwin age. Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Your words, impossibly old. Yes, indeed. He um he has like an odd look. I know he's got these very fetching purple, red, and cream colored armor, but his body like is he meant to be like a dragon or a lizard or something? I don't know. Gadwin is a very broad man in the game. <laughs> Proportionally, he's just like the mountain in Game of Thrones, but even bigger, yeah. wearing fully gold plated armor. And I always kind of saw him as a human or like humanoid person, just in armor. So did I, because if you look at him in the game, when you see when he talks and you see his portrait on the screen, it, it looks like a, just a very brick-faced human, right? Yes. <laughs> like a, yeah. But when you look at his artwork, it's way more like humanoid rather than human. Oh, is it? Oh, I don't mm. know if I've actually looked at his artwork before. And his skin has got like a really sallow gray color to it. Reptilianish. Oh. Maybe he's just sick. Poor Gadwin. You know when you um, fight him and for the first time yeah. and you lose a fight? Did you know you can win that fight? No. How? Yeah, you, you can win it. Oh, yeah. With a lot of determination, it can be won. How? I thought everything you did just took zero off him. Mm, no, I, I don't know. I heard you can. I've never done it before, but I heard you can do it. You think you need really, really high strength? 
Oh, fair enough. Everything I've ever done just took zero off him. But mm. yeah, fair enough. Move on to my actual favourite character now in the game. Uh, not, I was kidding about Sue. Sue's great, but she's not my favourite. Um, rap. I love rap. He's great. What do you think? I like rap. Yeah, I like rap too. He's very teenagery. I think, kind of sums up rap. He comes across more teenagery than child, like Justin and Sue initially did. He's very bratty and rebelling against his family and his village's ways. But I really like him. I think he's fun. I think he's a nice dynamic to add because Fina's quite serious most of the time. He starts the game a little bit arrogant, maybe, and a bit of a, a dummy. But as time goes on, uh, he sort of softens up. And um, when you save his village from uh, the army, do you save his sister as well? Or do you save him at, some, at one point? You save like a little boy that he's friends with. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. And he speaks in like um, a language of symbols that you can't understand, right? On the screen. Oh, I think that was a different little boy. Oh, was it? Okay. He's great. And I really like his his fighting moves as well. I love using him in battle. I mean, I know you don't get a choice to whether to use him or not, but I love his uh, battle quotes and stuff. And I think he's re- a really good versatile character for uh, physical attacks. And his appearance in the game, I, I think it's a pretty good one, actually. He's got this, like, thief thing going on, where he's got, like, a, a headband and a, a dagger and bags and trousers. He's probably the best-dressed character in the game, which is which is saying something, because, I mean, in real life, this would be appalling. <laughs> in this you game, I mean? the outfit choices overall are bizarre, so he is definitely one of the more acceptable-looking ones. <laughs> Milda? I didn't mind Milda. She's actually in the game for quite a short time compared to a lot of the other characters. She had the nice little thing with rap about the kind of, you know, accepting other races and looking past it, which was like a nice thing in a wholesome game. It's a nice extra. But I didn't find her overly interesting as an actual character. No, she, she's she's really in the party for maybe two or three hours, maybe four at a push. Yeah. And um, after just having like Gadwin and Sue who were in it for ages, it it felt short. Yeah, she doesn't feel like one of the core characters. She's interesting, though, and she she speaks with a Texas accent, which I'm not sure why nobody else does in the game. No, it's um, legit. <laughs> and she can't use magic, right? She can only use physical attacks, but she's very, very strong, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, she's very strong, but she's nowhere near as versatile as most of the other characters are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And her appearance, uh, apparently she's 19. I thought she was, like, much older than that. I thought she was, like, in her 30s. Yeah, um, she looks like a much older woman, and then she's, like, married and has a proper life. But, yeah, she doesn't come across as a 19-year-old girl. Can we just say, That's... married to a cow? <laughs> Forgot yeah. that small yeah. detail that she is married to a cow. Makes sense. Um, who else is there? There's, uh, oh, uh, Guido. Guido, he's another one who doesn't really feel like a main part of the party. He's not got a lot of very interesting battle moves and he doesn't have as much personality as a lot of the others do. And in fact, I often forget you even play as him because I just I don't really see him as one of the main characters, even though you have him for a little bit. I know. I remember a long time ago, I mentioned to you and you had no idea. I don't think you played for a while at that point and you had no idea who he was. I'm like, it's Guido. He joined your party twice. Yeah, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> the rabbit man and I was like oh yeah the rabbit man I actually like Guido uh, and disagree that I think he's got lots of personality and I like his battle moves as well he goes like heave ho heave ho you know what I'm talking about I mean I, I like hearing your impression of it but <laughs> I just don't remember it he's got this like um, toy bar and arrow and he like pulls it back really hard the, with the arrow in it and let's go 
is going like heave ho, heave ho. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but again, okay. I'm still nothing doing it. <laughs> oh, I think he's cute. Yeah, but like you said, like um, Milda, he's only in it for like five minutes. And again, he's the only person in the world that I'm aware of that speaks with like an Italian accent. Yeah, he's another one with a strange accent that comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, an Italian rabbit. Okay, sure. Sure thing, Grandia. Crack on. And the last playable character in the game is Liette. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Liette, she's so built up during that game. I actually never expected her to be a playable character at the start mm-hmm. of the game. I thought she was always just going to be like a person who speaks. So when she says she's going to join you, I was like, oh, my God, this powerful sorceress is joining she's going to be great and then she's shit it's like she's just she does magic but not as well as fina does and she i just forget she's even there and her physical attacks are so weak and she has less personality than most other characters yeah and she has a really weird way of talking really breathy yeah and very posh and that she hasn't really got any humor to her yeah she's very robotic Uh, i don't mind her though I wish someone else was in the party in her place at the end of the game, but I don't mind her. Some of her spells are interesting. But yeah, she's she's by far the weakest character uh, when at the end of the game. Where the, the final party is uh, Justin, Fina, Rap, and Liette. And out of those four, she's the weakest by far, I think. Yeah, I would have much preferred if at the end of the game you could choose to bring back one of the other characters you've played with and like had a choice mm-hmm. of which one you took. I think that would have been a much nicer way to finish that game. She does have some uh, defensive spells, though. I don't think anyone else does, do they? Possibly. I can't remember. I, I, I don't really remember ever finding her overly useful. I think I just used mm. her for like extra magic backup. But by that point, Fina's got all of her kind of final level special yeah, spells. Yeah. So much yeah. better than anything else they has. So that's the playable characters, but let's talk briefly about the villains. Now, I don't particularly find Baal and Mullen very interesting. What, what do you think? No, I think Baal was always very generic villain, quite abstract aim. I think he was just there to serve a purpose. Mullen, I didn't find him overly interesting, but I did quite like his kind of little storyline thing with Lean, where she's kind of being used by the army and he's using her, but then develops feelings for her. And I kind of Mm -hmm. liked that whole little dynamic. And then you're not completely sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy for the middle part of the game. And I think at least he had a bit of interest to him and they managed to develop him as a character yeah i always find myself uh, wanting to go back to my party whenever the, the storyline switched to them a little bit yeah i'm bored i want to go back to justin and fina yeah i do get that i feel like compared to a lot of other games though they develop them better than a lot of other rpgs do uh, yeah, yeah yeah i would say so but by far the best villains are nanosaki and mio i'm sorry oh they are 100 percent. i love them <laughs> Nanasaki and Mio are are they sergeants? Yeah, they're the sergeants, aren't they? And they've each so. got they've, they've each got their own team in the army, um, their own soldiers that they command. And they're all obsessed with Colonel Mullen because he's like a total babe with his blonde hair and a little babe. <laughs> he is a total babe. <laughs> but yeah, uh you fight them twice, I think. Three times. Good question, actually, because you know you fight all of them on their own. You fight all of them together on the airship. Maybe that's all of them. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Fight them all at least twice. Yeah. I can't remember if there's a third or not. Yeah, you do fight them individually and also as a group. And then they've all got different kind of abilities. Like one's really strong with magic. One's really strong with physical attacks. And one's really good at like status. I think my favorite is Mio, who is the one with the green hair and the glasses. 
nerdy scientist one. And she's like, oh, no, my calculations must be incorrect for nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, <laughs> yeah she's great yeah and oh my god i know we're not on the music section yet but the battle music for those is incredible and i wish i could find it on spotify or something but i don't think it's on there i was once again about to try to hum it and i, I then reminded myself i need to stop doing that because i can't do it we're gonna get a cease and desist now i'm sure from uh from sony again it sounds so little like the actual song <laughs> i don't think they could ever claim it sounded similar i just think we were having different bits of the song so. <laughs> yeah we were yeah we won't be recognized by any uh, machine trying to look out for songs <laughs> Oh god. Are we um, so bad at this stuff? And honorable mention, character-wise, I really like Lily, Justin's mum. Oh yeah, I do. And I like the fact it turns out she was a pirate. Yeah, pirate Lily. Yeah. Yeah, Lily the spell. Uh Justin's mum runs a restaurant in town of Palm, um, even though there's never any customers in there. And uh she very much does not want him to to go on this adventure, but he uh defies her and does it anyway, doesn't she? Doesn't he? Yeah, and then yeah. she writes that little letter that he finds in his pocket where actually she's supporting him because she knows that like she can't change his mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, her design is cool too. I mean, you don't really see her much in the game. I'm looking at a fan, I'm looking at a character right now, and she's basically just like a chef. Yeah, yeah she's a kind of generic <laughs> mum chef, isn't she? Really? Yeah. So yeah, a, a great cast of characters, and uh, as I said, I, re- I really do like how you are not forced into picking certain ones over the other. And another good thing about them, I mean, it's kind of going to the battle system a little bit. Spells in this game are used, are learned, sorry, by using magic eggs. Yeah, use the magic eggs to buy magic. And then if you get like fire and wind, then you can use lightning, that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll we'll get onto that in the battle system. But I was going to say like when, when when somebody finally leaves you permanently, you get their abilities, their like spells as a consumable for another character to use to inherit the the spells that you've lost. Yeah, and I'm glad they included that because otherwise it would have felt pointless using those characters and levelling them up. So I'm glad they did make it so that you didn't waste time with them, basically. Yeah, like, you know, in Final Fantasy VII when Ares finally dies, and I'm sorry, spoilers everyone if you haven't like figured that out yet, that she died uh, (laughs) 25 years ago. A lot of people don't bother getting her final limit break because it's just so much hassle for someone to go die by the end of this one. I've done it before. But in this game, you don't really have that same feeling because even though if you know they're going to leave, you're still going to try and level them up because it's useful for you while they're still in your party to have these spells and you'll get them back when when they leave. It's great. Yeah, it's a much better system than a lot of other games have. It gives Mm -hmm. you incentive to not just let them lay dead on a battlefield, basically. And it's good for respecting your time too. I mean, that's and that's a major thing that we uh, think about these days when we're you know adults and we're both working and um, we don't have all the time in the world to play RPGs anymore like we did when we were kids. So having something like this does help a lot. Like you don't have to start from level one for every character and waste time grinding the spells up to uh, level ninety nine or whatever. Yeah, it always um, feels like you're progressing with this game. Yeah. Although you do have the choice. I mean, some of Fina's abilities do require very, very, very high magic stats to use them. I never got, I never bothered getting them. Um, yeah, I heard that was a mistake that they didn't, when they made the game, they didn't mean to put them at 99. They kind of said it as kind of like max to get it. And then 
it wasn't meant to be that high because with the HD remaster, that's been lowered to like 38 or something. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Okay, that's interesting. So have you got them on the yeah. HD remaster? Yeah, I played them a couple of years ago, um, Grandia 1 and 2, because they come as a bundle on the Switch. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, on there to get Fina's final spell, it's it's like 38 for water and wind, I think. So yeah, they corrected it. Mm, okay, that's good. I didn't know that. I thought that was intentional because it was such a powerful ability or something. No, that's the thing. The spell isn't even that good. I can't remember exactly what it does. Oh. <laughs> but I, I read a thing where the people who originally made the game said that that was an accident and it wasn't meant to be that high. Right. So they just fixed it on the remaster because I, I didn't know it had been lowered either because it still comes up as just question mark, question mark of how much mm-hmm. you need. So I wasn't expecting it and then suddenly she learned it. And I was like, oh, weird. Oh, okay, cool. All right, so world discussion. So as we mentioned earlier, this game is set on a continent which is split in two but with a gigantic wall in the middle that no one for a long, long time has crossed until this these kids came along and crossed it in like half an hour. Yeah, and then the um, army just fly over it. Like, yeah. Really? <laughs> never occurred to you before? Yeah. <laughs> there are several towns in the game and in between the towns there are like uh, dungeon areas Sometimes outdoors, sometimes indoors, caves, that kind of thing, old buildings. There are some nice towns. What's the town called where Milda and her cow husband live? It's a good question. I I don't remember. I know where you mean, the kind of wintry mm-hmm. snow village, but yeah, I don't remember its name. Um, and the way you start the game, uh, Palm, that's, that's a nice place too. Although I find it a bit of a mess to navigate. I think it's really confusing to navigate. Oh, really? Do you, do you find that? No? <laughs> it's just... It's quite a big town by that game standards, and there are lots of like alleyways and stuff in it that you can get lost in, and you don't find that. <laughs> Maybe you just get lost easily. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. It's just that particular town. I really like the, the safe point because it's like a like a prism that you see of, of rainbow in the world, and you walk into it, and it heals you. And I like the sound effect it gives off when it heals you. I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel yeah, like I it. <laughs> You, there isn't really a world map. Like you just travel between locations. I think you, I think you do see another world at some point, but you can't do anything. Is that right? Oh, what, on the main map, you mean? Yeah, I think it shows think... that the little dots that are the villages, and then you just cursor across to each one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you are always either in a town, or you're in a dungeon area, or you're in an FMV, basically. So the world itself isn't that extensive, although it does. It does feel quite big, though. Like, it it really does. They did a great job of making it feel like a really big world that like you're crossing with these kids. Yeah, it I, does I feel so. like there's a lot of travelling in this game and all the places you visit are really different to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in different parts of the world, they go from kind of, like, kind of sunny, exotic holiday sort of towns to then kind of, like, wintry places covered in snow and, like, snow-top trees and forests. And jungles. And... Yeah, there's lots of feeling like you are travelling across a globe. Yeah. So let's move on to the battle system because I think that's my favourite part of the game after the characters. I think it's a great yeah. system. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's really good and really unique. I, I don't remember playing any other games that are quite like this where you you kind of have an, a kind of battle gauge where the time fills up to when you get to enter your command, but different status effects can alter that speed. And if an enemy hits you, it knocks you back on it. And there is a bit of being able to travel around like an almost like open battle arena but mm-hmm. combined with a kind of almost active time battle system it's really unique and really really fun to play and it never gets boring during that no, entire it game. it's always fun 
And it's made even better by the fact that halfway through the game, the battle theme changes too, just to shape things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, when you travel the ocean, you're in like the second half of the world, it changes. Yeah, and yeah, I remember and then, when that first happened, I was like, I hate it. I want the old music back. I love both of those the pieces of music. I think they're both really great. The music in this game in general, I tend to really like. It's just yeah, it, quite quaint and nice. I really want the OST. I want a Japanese copy of the OST. I don't think you can buy it anymore. You'd have to ship it from Japan, but um, I would seriously consider getting it. Yeah, the, the music yeah. is really good. Yeah, so we mentioned about the, the magic system. So basically, like, you use these... Say you wanted a water spell, which in this game is, like, the healing spells. You'd give the water egg? Is that what they call it? I think you just get normal eggs, and then it's up to you what element you spend right, the egg yeah. on. So you give them water, and then the more they use it, um, the more experience points they get with that element. And then when they hit certain levels of that element, they get new spells, so like better heals. But also you can combine it with things. Like if if you get water and earth on the same character and you level water to, for example, level 10, and you water you level earth to example level 12, you'll get a combat, you'll get a new element spell like that for that particular combination it's like a grass spell isn't it forest one yeah yeah like a, a poison or something um so there's loads of combinations to be found on top of that every character has their own unique dialogue when they cast one of the spells ranging from very simple to sue who just screams <laughs> out these commands like earthquakes are scary scary. oh that was in unison that was nice (laughs) yeah kind of (laughs) that was unplanned that was good (laughs) yeah and then you got leah going like here we go just really caution and uh oh i like sue's puffy one too like the cheer the cheerleader one Oh, the rah-rah kind of one yeah Yeah. (laughs) she gets pom-poms out and does cheerleading with uh with puffy and when and when she throws puffy too like go on, like <laughs> spins it round and just chucks it. It's Poor very Renoa shooting Angela from a cannon. It is, yeah. <laughs> I like to think I like to think eight took inspiration from Puffy. <laughs> and Fina has these like very dramatic uh, magic uh, voice lines. She's like, "Oh, flame, burn them and yeah, wind, like, howl in thy face." She yeah. she very much has that kind of like oh kind of holy magic user yeah. vibe about her, and it was like Fina, you wearing torn stockings? Like who are you? Yeah, kidding? for no reason. Like yeah. I get it later on when she it's a big reveal and she's like you know some long lost um, civilization that she finds out she's related to. But at the start of the game, she's just a normal a normal woman, and she's like she oh is. feed thy flames and why are you, why are you talking like this? <laughs> yeah, and it's like Sue's doing the same magic as you, and she's just shouting, earthquakes are scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are. Um, another really good one is when you cast a water spell with Justin to heal someone, he just goes, there, there, really unsympathetically. <laughs> there, there. Flailing his mace around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's another thing, too. So, weapons in the game, each character can equip usually anything from two to four different types of weapons. So, for example, uh, Justin can equip swords, axes, what else? Uh, maces, I think, is maces. the third one. Yeah. Uh, Sue can do uh, clubs and bows and arrows, and we, uh, Fina can do whips and knives, and etc. And they also mm. level up as well like magic so if you use fina's knives like to level 12 you'll get a knife ability and that's unique to fina 
So I, I like that. You don't get those back, but that doesn't really matter because they're unique spells, they're unique abilities. The, the spells are the more important thing. Um, yeah. When you get those back, when someone leaves, it, honestly, it's a game changer. And I wonder why more games don't do it. Yeah. And even though you don't get the abilities to carry over, you do get the weapon experience that does carry over to other characters. Like when Gadwin leaves, you can give his sword experience to Justin. Yeah. And then his uh-huh. sword often levels up a bit. And then if you level up weapons and magic as well, it improves your stats. Like with every water level, you get a bit more HP. Yeah. And with every sword level up, you get a bit more strength. So it means you can level up spells. Like if you want Justin to be like a physical based character, you would level up earth and it will be his defense. Whereas for Fina, who's a magic user, you want to level up fire loads so that her magic is stronger. So you can it lets you tweak characters in a really weird way and it gives you a, a reason to fight battles. It doesn't feel as grindy because you're working towards things. Mm-hmm. And the fights are fun too. Like uh, even, even when you are doing a bit of grinding, it doesn't really feel that bad. It feels fine. Like it's fun. Yeah, really fun. I, I like I like to do grinding in RPGs anyway. I, I like just like putting some music on or a podcast and just doing an hour of grinding. And that's what I, do that. I know loads <laughs> of people hate that in games, but if the gameplay is fun, then I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the battle system, uh, there's, you can also they ha- oh sorry they have like uh, HP and they have SP right special points. Is that what it stands for? Yes, that they use their, their special moves. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, I don't think you can recharge that one, can you, until you get to a save point or you have a rest? I think so. I think you get like special items that can recover mm. it, but I think they're quite rare, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got to kind of be conservative with it a little bit if you uh, if you uh, haven't healed in a long time. But the game's really generous, and usually if there's a boss about to happen, it will have a save point literally right outside the boss room. Yeah, the game is quite kind in a lot of ways. Like you can you can tell that it's made so that slightly younger audiences it's accessible to them because there aren't like you said, there's save points near all the bosses. There's save points quite regularly throughout like the worlds that you explore. Like there's normally a rest point halfway across like a mountain where the team will be like, oh, let's have a sleep now. And they will mm. have a rest and have a chat, which is another mechanic I like where they talk around dinner when you sleep at hotels and it tents. And then there'll be a save point. So there's never, it's rare that you go slogging for two hours. We've seen no save point and then you die and have to redo it. That doesn't really happen. Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree. And you said it's designed for younger gamers. I also think also it works a lot for those older ones too, who don't have time to go back two hours when we lose a boss fight and I start again. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really <laughs> well for both. It's, it's just, it's just makes the game fun. Yeah, it does. Graphics and music. The graphics in this game, I don't think <laughs> are that good, even for the time. Um, I think some of the backgrounds are nice. Some of the towns can look nice, but the, the character sprites aren't really very good, in my opinion. What do you think? No, I agree. The sprites, you can't really tell what the characters are meant to look like. And even the towns, like they've got interesting designs and you can see what they're going for, but that the actual graphics themselves don't look great. It takes a bit of imagination, I think, to kind of picture what these places are meant to look like. But yeah. I must say, it's it's never bothered me when I played it. I've always found it quaint rather than unpleasant to look at. Oh, yeah, it, it never bothered me. I don't think the graphics are so hideous that I wouldn't play it. And I, I think as well, because they put voice acting in the game and there's a fair, a fair decent chunk of it, that probably took up a lot of space that they would have otherwise have used for graphics maybe. 
So I don't mind it. And even though the sprites are ugly, you still get to see the character's artwork when they talk, like it appears above their text box. And that's much better looking. And you can see that they're meant to look like much better from those, those images. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting way of doing it because a lot of games at the time, like say Final Fantasy VII and VIII, which came out at similar sorts of times, during when characters are speaking, you can't see what their faces are doing because they're kind of pixelated blobs, even though the cutscenes look better. Whereas in this game, you can see the facial expressions characters are meant to be making at different points, which you never would have been able to see on seven or eight. Like you have to just assume what characters look like. So even though the pixelated sprites don't look great, you get to see so much more of these characters. I think it's a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah, I completely agree. I just remember, I just uh, thought now that Persona 5 does the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It has the characters' uh, portraits and then they show them in different moods or reactions or whatever they're doing at the moment. And that's what Grandia, I mean, Persona 5 has way more of them because it's a much more modern game. But Grandia has like, you know, a, a jokey Justin, a serious Justin, and a, loads of different emotions that it can portray for all the characters. Yeah. And it just makes the game, even though the graphics weren't great for the time, it, it lets you see so much more of these characters than most other games in that era. And like you yeah. say, Persona 5 pretty much does the same thing and it works really well in that game as well because you get to just, you get to see a lot of characters in a character-based game and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Persona 4 does it too, but the emotions are... Persona 5 is a, obviously a much bigger game with a more modern game with a huge budget and it has a lot more um ability to do this kind of thing but yeah Grand- grandia was a bit of a trendsetter in that case i wonder if yeah. anyone uh, did it before that i'm not too sure actually they do it in grandia 2 as well and i assume grandia 3 but i haven't played it but mm. in grandia 2 it works really well as well and like like grandia i think that's also a really good game maybe i'll flick through that rpg book that we've got and see if we can find an earlier one yeah see if you can find one <laughs> Uh, Grandia 2, I've not played. I own it because I own the HD remaster, but I'm not, I've never played it. I know you said it's really good, but isn't it totally different from Grandia 1 in terms of like the battle system and stuff? Oh, the battle system is almost identical. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. It's a similar sort of thing. It's got the same bar, same characters moving around the battlefield. The way the weapons and magic system works is slightly different. You don't have that thing where you level up individual weapons anymore but you still have magic eggs and you slowly learn the abilities through them. So there's elements that are different, but the main bulk is pretty much the same. Okay. And it, it, uh, the story is a bit darker from what I heard though, right? It's not quite as uh, juvenile. No, it's got a slightly more adult theme and there's a bit more kind of like almost like dark religious sort of thing. It's kind of grandia meets Final Fantasy X in a way. Oh, okay. I should give that a go. Add it, it to my ever-growing list. <laughs> It actually is really good. I don't know, because I played it for the first time when I was a kid. I don't know what it will be like playing it for the first time as an adult. I guess it will lose some of its charm, but mm-hmm. it is really good. I did read the company that remastered those two games were a bit shocked by like the fan reaction because a lot of people bought the remaster and they weren't quite expecting that, I don't think. Um, I know they were considering making, um, re- sorry, remastering Grandia 3 and the Digital Trippers, as it called. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I didn't play Grandia 3. I don't think it was. Yeah, it wasn't released in Europe, I don't think. Uh, uh, maybe the US? I'm not sure. I think it's about flight, that one, and a kid who wants to be a pilot. Oh, perfect. Just up, right up your street. Yeah. <laughs> a pilot game. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's Air Crash Investigations plus Grandia. It's the perfect combination. 
you could, instead of getting a flight simulator, just play an old RPG from 25 years ago. <laughs> just the same. <laughs> I heard that the third game was more negatively received, though, than the first two, I must admit. I heard that too, yeah. I wonder if it's a different studio or something that made it, or they just run out of ideas, I don't know. But Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, it's a dead series now, Grandia. It's not going to come back. I'd be very surprised if there are new games came out, but no, I don't think never say never. The music in this game, uh, we've touched on several times during this podcast, but oh my God, it's so good. I, I love the battle themes, both of them, and the, the boss fight one too, and the Nanasaki Mio fight, and there's some really emotional music as well. So there's a point in the game where uh, Sue is forced to go back home because she can no longer continue because she's eight years old um, <laughs> and she's physically exhausted. And they have this ability, they have this item that will basically let them get to the end of the game and kill the final boss. But uh, it's like a teleport item. It's a one use only. And instead of using it to get to the end, they decide to use it to uh, send Sue back home. And there's, there's this really sad music that plays. Um, I know you find it fucking hilarious or whatever, but I always thought that was really sad. <laughs> I do find it sad. I think I just find Sue as a character just so laughable. <laughs> I never found it that bad, but it is a sad scene. And the music is really nice and mournful. Yeah, like I said, I might look into getting the OST because I know there's a website, we, a website that lets you order things while being in the UK, but from Japanese websites. So I might look into it and see if we can get it. Yeah, it would be nice to have. Because mm-hmm. it is a nice soundtrack. All right. So what scoring system shall we use? Do you want to pick? Ooh, I kind of want to go for V slashes. <laughs> but even really talk just about that. That's one of Justin's. <laughs> in a really high-pitched voice, V slash. It's my favorite <laughs> thing. <laughs> and then he cuts them into a V shape into them, doesn't he? Um he does. Oh God, there's so many good lines in battle lines in this game. I like uh, another one of my favorite Justin ones is Gadwin secret move, Dragon King's ice. <laughs> <laughs> Not a secret anymore. Are you screaming it to everybody? <laughs> yeah, literally, you're yelling at Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you can't be. Obviously, our fates are scary, but also they're there when someone's hurt. <laughs> oh. It's just literally, I was having a look at some quotes online this morning just to remind myself of some of the more obscure ones. And, oh, it's just spectacular. I'm going to send you uh, a video of Guido going, heave-ho, heave-ho. Yes, please. And it better be exactly like your impression of it. <laughs> it is. It's, honestly, it's like he's in the room right now with me, shooting arrows. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> okay, so how many V-slashes out of 10 would you give this game? And would you play it again? Hmm. Like this game has a few issues, mainly just due to I think the the time it came out and the budget it probably had. But I think for what this game did and how enjoyable it is to play, I'm I'm gonna have to go for nine V slashes out of ten. I think. You know what? I totally agree. I'm also going to give it nine V slashes out of ten. And uh, to commemorate the occasion, I think you should give us nine V slashes. <laughs> I think I think people will stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, j- just just one more, just one more, then just one. V slash. Perfect, perfect. I love it. I think, I think you have. To, it's only your fair that you do it as well. Just like, okay. <clears throat> in my best Justin voice. V slash. V slash. Such chills. chills. Yeah. Justin, are you here? No, it's just me. <laughs> just me, Stephen. It's just you, Stephen, wearing blue shorts. 
Yes, I'm wearing a, a, a strange-looking playsuit. Yeah. <laughs> a goggle hat for the occasion. Yeah, I've got it from Next. They sell Justin also, suits. Very fashionable. I'm also yeah. wearing a red loincloth in FINA commemoration. <laughs> Can we just have that as one of our clips to advertise a podcast with no context? I'm wearing a red loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah, uh, I would play this game again. Um, I've played it through several times, like I said earlier, and I, I definitely would again. I like to leave it several years before I go back to it because I think every time I go back, I get something new from it. Yeah, um, I must admit, now that we've spoken about it, I'd quite like to play it again as well because it's been a good probably two and a half years since I've seen this game, and mm-hmm. now I'd quite like to see it again. Well, now that you told me that um, Grandia 2 has got a very similar battle system or identical, I'm dying to play that again too. Again, yeah, definitely. For the first time I'm using it. Yeah, the leveling up system is a bit different, but the actual gameplay, very similar. Very fun. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, so thank you for listening. I just want to say before we leave that Charlotte and I have been talking about including other genres of games uh, in this podcast. Yeah, we keep coming across games that we really like and we'd really like to speak about. And it seems like a bit of a shame at the moment that we can't because we're a bit limited to RPGs. So I think even though we'll yeah. stay RPG yeah. focused because they're our favourite kinds of games, if we come across new ones that we really like, it would be nice to be able to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about games that are not RPGs at the start anyway. Um, you know, you've probably heard me talk about Planet Zoo and enough to think this could be a Planet Zoo podcast, but it's not. Yeah, yeah we do like a lot of games and we, we, we do play a lot of things other than RPGs. Yeah, like there's lots of horror games and things that we like as well and we just like to be able to talk about them. Yeah, yeah. And I think it'd be different to talk about too. Like, I mean, I don't think you can talk about like Resident Evil 2 in the same way as you can Grandia. Oh my God. You know what? Um, I just remembered one that I saw yesterday, which we have to play when it goes on sale. It's a cross between, get this, a JRPG and a golf game. I am intrigued. <laughs> you play You play golf. But you also have battles and you like walk around the big golf town. Am I going to hit someone with a golf club in a game? Yes. What happens? Yes. Oh, interesting. I'll send you a, I'll send you a trailer. I don't know, I actually watched it myself. I just read the description on Steam, but I'm sure it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's, a, it's a fascinating game. Oh, I would anyway. love to hear. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Join us in a couple of weeks when our next podcast episode will be B, do you know? <laughs> oh, actually, I, I don't know, actually. Is it Final Fantasy VIII? <gasps> Is it time? I think, oh my God, I think it might be time. Yes, my dream, yes. So okay. don't listen don't listen to this episode, everyone, because it's going to be full of Charlotte ranting, foaming at the mouth, like Cujo, about her favourite uh, Final Fantasy VIII characters. I don't um, have rabies, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so advise not to listen to that, but also please do. I advise that you do because I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> this is going to be like our best episode ever, I'm sure. Like if we're going to get, when we look at our stats from now on, it's going to be like 25,000 listeners of Final Fantasy and like two for Grandia. <laughs> of me for 20 minutes explaining <laughs> in detail exactly why I like Zell. Yeah, oh, it's going to be good. A 45 minute segue into why Christus is awful. You're going to hang up on me in the middle of the podcast, aren't you? And I'm just going I'll to fall. carry on on my own. Either that, I'll fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do like Final Fantasy VIII, so I'm looking forward to it. And we'll, yeah, that that is the next episode. Well, you, 
When even my fellow podcast hosts can't stay awake for me talking, <laughs> that's really not a good sign. Oh, God. This is going to be an episode and a half, guys. I, I recommend that you prepare yourselves. Yes, I think you should set aside about four hours of your day to listen to everything I have to say. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you next time. And uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Bye. Bye.